Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Bikini and the Brain podcast. My name is Ashley Kaltwasser, and here beside me is Adam Bonia from TeamElitePhysique.com. If you don't know, you know now. <laughs> it's quality intro. Quality, quality intro. Let's talk a little bit about the Arnold Classic today because the list came out uh, last week and um, I want it. Yeah. Well, what do you know? I want it. I know a girl or two on there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, Team Elite Physique comprises 20% of that, that Arnold is. list. So. That is. Not bad. Not bad not, at all. Not bad, yes. So yeah. Good job, Coach Adam. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. I'm actually excited about this one. Mm-hmm. And Ashley Kay, you're on the list. You're excited about this? Yeah, I mean, the Arnold Classic, you know, I have great memories. I want to say the Arnold Classic 2012, or yeah, the Arnold Amateur 2012 was, I would like to say, the show that started my career, honestly. So, you know, I competed locally in Pittsburgh and in Ohio a few times, um, and I won, like, an overall uh, or two, but these are small shows we were talking about. But I went to the Arnold Classic in 2012, and I won overall there. And it was a huge show because, uh, you know, the competitors from all over the world, they go to the Arnold Classic so they can get, like, their pro card. But here's the funny thing is back then in 2012, um, Americans couldn't get their pro card at the Arnold Classic. So although I was the overall winner – I wasn't able to get my pro card there. And what sucked was the other competitors from different countries, they were in different height classes. I beat them because I won the overall, right? But since they were from another country, they petitioned to get their pro card, and they got their pro card before me. Okay. I'm like, are you serious? But <laughs> it was the show that started out because that was the first show, a big show that I won, and, I, and that was the moment I was like, whoa, I'm kind of good at this. I'm I can do this. So I was able to get my pro card later that year, but I was like so surprised because it's like girl from Ohio. I drove two hours to get there and people coming all over the world to go there. I felt like, whoa, this is so cool. And it was the first time that I wore a green bikini as well. So that's where the green bikini was born. And then it, it took like nine years to get her off of a green bikini. <laughs> get a bikini yeah, bikini and now I'm back. You know, back <laughs> yeah, she's green. back to green. Go green. We, went, I, we, went, we talked about that for like, I don't know, a year before you finally went red. and then And then she went red for a year. But she did a Two good years. job. Two years. Two years. Two years. You still interchange red yeah. now though here too. I, I interchange in with yeah. the Christmas colors, you know. I, I'm always afraid they're never going to recognize me if I <laughs> switch it up too much. So I'm very reluctant to change. Yeah. I, I, I think we've gone back to green for the most part. I think we've both have been like, you know, green is a good green color. Green is yeah. a good. And yeah. I always say the thing about green is it's a color that is harder to pull off for some girls, which makes it unique that I can. So I, you won't see as many greens as you would like blue bikinis, for example. Blue is just like, I, I don't want to do blue. Yeah, I saw the... Too many blues. I saw it's the, the safest color. Did you see that? There was like a stats thing. Did you send it to no? me? Someone sent me a stats. I got to look it up again. If you guys remember, it's, it's someone sent it to me in like a DM. They... um. Someone did like a percentage of suit colors at the Olympia and it was like 40% blue. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And then yeah. the next one was purple. purple. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah, and so probably red. Then. Green was the lowest C? percentage. It was green well, and not, pink. Yeah. The well, paper. there's some off colors too, like a, you know, black or whatever. What was the other color that was unique? I can't remember. But yeah, it's not a very, very common color. Yeah. Like it's still, you know, it's not like you're going to go to the show and not see any green suits, but in comparison to blue. Yeah. You don't see as many green because blue is like I always say, if you want a safe color, a color that looks good on everyone is basically like a, a royal blue. Yeah. So if you're playing it safe, do royal blue. Yeah. Especially if it's like your first few shows. I think that's a great thing yeah. to go up. Kind of find what works for you, what your posing style is and yeah. whatnot too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's different shades of blue too, you yeah. know? I mean, there's lighter, there's darker. I do see like the, the royal blue is I think the most common blue if I'm not mistaken, but you know, it's a, it's a great color if you want to play it safe. I don't think a judge would say that color doesn't work on you because it works on everyone. Yeah. You know? So we're going into the Arnold now. So game plan is changing this week for Ashley. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we haven't talked about this in a while. So we're going to talk a little bit about like setting up and pre-prep and just getting ready. And this was, you know, we we knew going into the Arnold last week before they announced the names that there was, there was a chance that she was going to get in. We didn't know how good that chance was. We weren't like. Me? Yeah. 
We weren't like, oh, you're for sure. You know, we oh, have nothing's Adam, ever for sure. Listen. <laughs> I'm trying to be I mean, <laughs> I'm very realistic, but I was assuming I would be. <laughs> okay. I didn't want to I mean, say it. I didn't want to say like, like for sure. A, well, you never know. That's true. You yeah. never know. Um, but I won the Arnold before. Yeah. Like, so it's And you just won like the a, Arnold UK. So like. Yeah, yeah I mean, so that helps. Yeah, I, but you're right, though. It's not a guaranteed thing. I assumed I would be on it just because I, you know, when I apply for it, I get in. Um, but, yeah, the Arnold's unique because it's not necessarily based off of, like, not all based on how well you've done. It can be, like, um, different, like, they brought back a girl that's won years ago. They brought back the amateur winner. So the amateur yeah. winner gets an automatic invite to the Arnold next year, which I got mine after my win in 2012. So that was one advantage, I guess. Um, and then, you know, sometimes they'll pick like somebody that has a unique story or somebody that's from, you know, a country that's not represented enough. So who knows the reasons they actually pick the competitors, right? Um, it's the Arnold committee that picks it. So it's not based off of placings necessarily, although placing well does uh, pretty much help you a great deal so yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so we were we were kind of thinking okay we yeah, were basically we were thinking assuming, we were in, well we were i was assuming <laughs> i was in but I, you know what i yeah. shouldn't i shouldn't assume i shouldn't <laughs> i was well there hasn't been a year you haven't so we'll just yeah. go off going off of numbers there hasn't been a year since that you apply that you haven't got in so we were basically looking at that and we've talked about going into a pre-prep and so kind of setting up for the prep so you know what is that exactly um getting you ready for the prep so the goal of a you know, kind of a mini off season is to get the calories as high as possible and the cardio as low as possible without blowing up and gaining, you know, a significant amount of body fat a little bit. Yeah, of course, but just a little bit, you know, so basically trying to create your starting point being at baseline again, as low as cardio, as high as calories type of thing. And, and in our short period of time, we have been able to get pretty lucky with getting those calories up. Yeah, And it made me nervous the whole time. My body is not used to having that many calories. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Adam, I'll do it. But I, I was like feeling a little bit of a guilt. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, I hope it doesn't catch up with me. You know, because I, I would like to say on average, I'm around that. It's hard to say an average for me because it's like either I'm in prep or I'm close to being in prep. So yeah. I'm not like, it's hard for us to really put an average. I want to say I'm like 1,500 average probably yeah, with my average cal up, yeah. all things considered and we got up to like 2000 oh my gosh that's yeah. a lot for me that's a lot of food okay i i don't eat that much like i don't have the biggest appetite i had to like do it in sneaky ways like i had to like you know i found that like to increase my like carbs and stuff i was better off snacking than having like a full meal of like oatmeal or rice or quinoa like it's easier for me to graze throughout the day on carbs yeah. rather than like here's your huge bowl of quinoa <laughs> yeah because yeah. i'm telling you guys i'm not kidding like it's i don't have the biggest appetite so i, I don't like to feel super super full yeah. like you know i don't like that feeling of being like oh my god i'm stuffed you know so we got it in though yeah yeah and um to give you guys a kind of a kind of a marker for where her average being like 1500 more times than not we're at like 1650 17 in like that mini off season and then 12 13 14 in the prep and so the average out i would say about 15 or so mm -hmm. is like the average whole of the year so this is Higher and it was weird because you know we went to the normal seventeen hundred or so after this. I think it was seventeen forty if I remember correctly. Um, off after the show, and then she ended up leaning out and losing losing some weight. I got so small, <laughs> and, I was, and when I wasn't working out that week, that was my deload week. But yeah. that was the week I was sick. Yeah. So I don't know if like my body was kind of like needing more calories to fight the sickness. But I will say this: I was sleeping like so well the, the week I was sick. It was almost like a blessing in disguise. Like I was like not able to sleep as well. And then I was sleeping like nine hours some night when I was sick. I was like a little blessing in disguise, <laughs> but I needed it. And then after I got done being sick, I'm like, whoa, I feel amazing. I'm all like stocked up on sleep. <laughs> so it was, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, I got small. Yeah, a little bit. Lost really a little small. bit of weight. So we ended up raising the calories up and it's always going to be. And I think that's important for people to see that too, is that. No two preps are ever going to be exactly the same. No two peak weeks are going to be exactly the same. And, you know, it doesn't matter how advanced you are. There's always going to be something new. Something's going to, the body just has a mind of its own. And we just respond based on the check-in every week. So, mm -hmm. um, so that's important for you guys to know. If you found a peak week that works one time, and I made this mistake too as a coach years prior, 
I found a peak week that worked for someone and I was like, this is it. This is our peak week. And I was like, I was like, then I tried to use it again and it was a totally different result. And I was like, man, that's, that sucks. Like yeah. it's that, I didn't see how that would be. It was, it's the same person, you right. know, like thing, but it's, it's not, it's a different it's situation. Yeah. It doesn't make sense sometimes. Like <laughs> even when I'm prepping into shows, sometimes it's like easy. Like I remember going into Toronto last year, I wasn't initially going to do Toronto, but I was just like unintentionally got, got so lean without trying much. And I was like, shoot, I might as well jump into Toronto, right? Whereas I've had shows where I was like fighting to get lean enough to to be stage ready. So without any reason, sometimes your body just does what it does. And you just got to be very, um, you just, you just got to pay very close attention. Like when we're raising calories, I still need to check in. I got to make sure we're not like getting out of control, you know, because I think that's where a lot of people go wrong is they'll start to, get into the off season, raise calories without like doing the measurements, without doing the weight, without taking pictures. And they just assume, yeah, I'm fine. I'm in off season. So as long as you track it and you're super like aware of what's going on, you know, it's, it's good to, to try to see at least how, how you can get the calories up. But I always say this too. I never want to force feed myself. I'm very much against it. So that's why sometimes you have to like find alternatives. Like, you know, I was doing like, I was snacking throughout the day on carbs rather than having it all in one bowl, you know? Yeah. So Yeah, it's hard. People don't get it. It's funny because we have, um, and we're going to do an interview soon with like Elizabeth, who's in town from the Faroe Islands, and she's staying at the prep house for two months trying to grow. She eats a ton of food. She eats over 4,000 calories right now a day, and everyone's like, oh, I wish I could eat that. And I'm like, no, you think, you wish you could eat that for a day maybe. And then yeah. after like three days accumulatively, you just get really tired of eating yeah. And when I was, that was one of the main reasons I stopped bodybuilding was the food. Like it was, I got up to 5,000 calories plus a day and I just always had, um, digestive issues, like always had acid reflux and like, it's just the amount of food you're just always eating and always feel full. And I'm like, there's a, there's a good point for everyone. And as like a guy for me, it was like 3000. I was yeah. like, I feel fine. I feel good. Mm-hmm. I can digest my food. And for most women, it's in that 2000 range where it's like, you start getting past that 2,500, you're like, most of them are like, Oh, it's so much food. I got to eat another 500 calorie meal. I'm eating already five of them. And it's like, yeah, yeah. it's hard, <laughs> you know, especially as like physique athletes, we try to eat healthy, you know, and the healthier you eat, the harder it is to get all those calories in, assuming you're eating the quote clean foods, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So of course we don't want to like just fill ourselves up with junk. Like we're not trying to like do the whole pop tart thing. And I mean, there are certain scenarios where you kind of have to, yeah. you know, but that's a very rare thing. We try to keep it as clean as possible, you know? Um, and the cleaner you eat, and I hate that word because there is no clean food, but you know what I'm saying. The healthier you eat, the less likely you're going to feel like crap, you know what I mean? Like all bloated and sluggish. I do think that like, you know, the, the healthier you eat, the better you feel, in my opinion. But I, I think the healthier you eat, the better you look too. I, yeah. You know, when I'm, when I'm looking at people who are doing like pure macro, because there's like a lot of different variations of macro dieting, I will say too. When I see people who are doing like the pure macro exchanging and like they're eating whatever they want into prep, like while they're in prep, I never see their waistlines get as small as someone who's maybe they're macro dieting, but all clean foods, you know, because mm-hmm. there's two ways of doing it. You could macro diet and just fit your foods in and eating five times a day eating chicken, which is basically a clean eating menu plan. You just kind of call it a macro plan type of thing. Or you could go the whole other way, which is the, you know, fitting pizza, pop tart, all those things. And I always see that that waistline on them is never as small. And when they finally convert to clean foods, then I'm like, oh, there it is. And then their waistline gets... Yeah, yeah. Sucked in. And I'm like, and I'm like, you can argue with it with me all you want, but I could see it on your body, you know, like yeah. at the, at the up, maybe at the local level, maybe you can get away with it. But when you get to that upper tier, you're like, when everyone's not doing it and you're the only one doing it that way, you could usually see it. You know, mm-hmm. you could usually see it. So that's something, you know, as it, it sucks because you can only get such a small data pool of that. And there's very few people are doing it. So, but the, the ones I ever see try to sneak in there, I'm like, yeah, your waist is wide compared to them. You're bloated more wider than them by an inch or so. Yeah. Cause you could see over the years when people do it for a long time, eating clean, their waist will still get smaller and smaller. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, so there is something to it. It's one of those things that's never going to get proven. And people can argue against it hundred percent. Like there's going to be strong arguments like against that, but visually you can see it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's one of those things. I think that there's a benefit to it. And I think total food volume is a benefit too. So there's the argument there. It would yeah. be the argument. Well, if you eat less volume, you know, I could see that being the thing. But um, so a couple, if you are one of those higher calorie eaters, that's um, a good point that you brought up. I actually was talking to a bodybuilder and he was, he was here visiting the prep center. He actually signed the wall. And um, he was saying that he was drinking regular Coke. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I had to start drinking regular Coke instead of Diet Coke just for the extra calories. And I was like, yeah, I guess, I guess that makes sense. And I he's, mean, 
what are you gonna do you know he's like eating so much like yeah. he was past six thousand, and so yeah. he's like yeah he's like you're just he's like i'm just too like too big now i just have to eat like anything <laughs> he's like so yeah i was like putting oils on his foods and drinking regular cokes and he's like just to get the calories in and um i was like yeah i mean i there's at a certain point what do you do give you more rice like it's a lot you know so the bodybuilder is much different than gosh, us so you know hard. they're they're uh, really trying to push the, the calories there but yeah the, it is tough the bodybuilders i give a lot of credit to um one i think the bikini competitors and bodybuilders both work out as hard relative to their structures and relative to their strength right i think they both work but the bodybuilders the the way they have to live to be a bodybuilder i give them so much credit because the food the sleep the the everything right like it's Sometimes it's kind of miserable, you know, yeah. being a body with just eating and eating and eating and we're right. just like pounds of food a day. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And I will say this as well, just to add on to what you said, although maybe you can make the argument they train as hard relatively bodybuilders to get to where they need to be spend years upon years upon years upon oh, yeah. years doing that. Whereas bikini, if you got some good genetics, you might be able to go pro within a year or two if you're, you know. Got good genetics. That's not going to happen for bodybuilders. Yeah, no, no They're not going to put on like 100 pounds in, in, in a year. No, I've had girls <laughs> from day one coming from like a sport to pro bikini in two years. I've yeah. had that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not them lifting for their sport. They're just playing sports, you know, yeah. and going pro in two years. Yeah. It's funny because um, when bikini like first started, you would have uh, bodybuilders and be like oh this is my first show this is my first show I'm like oh cool how long you been training he's like oh 15 years you know like their first show and like the bikini girls are like oh yeah how long you been training she's like oh about six months <laughs> that was that or was even I mean, less yeah that was like you know 20 yeah. you know 11 2012 yeah. bikini now it's you know now it's you know a year and a half two years three years which I think is great for that you know that I think it should be hard I think there should yeah, be a two totally. three year physique for that totally. but um but yeah bodybuilders it's funny like it's like bodybuilders are peaking at like 38 40 like they're like unless you get these new guys like Derek and Nick yeah. who are like just young and Chriso's young too that are like you know complete abnormalities of the norm of uh I guess that was abnormality is <laughs> of like the normal ages of where people are peaking they're peaking at like 25 26 well it's maybe crazy. they haven't peaked yet you don't you know. imagine I you mean, don't know maybe they haven't peaked though. the way that Nick is growing if you imagine him like at 35 if he's growing at this rate i mean i mean he's gonna have to stop at a certain point could you be too big for bodybuilding (laughs) it's like crazy so it is pretty cool to see these days in the in the bodybuilding and uh yeah they're not a lot of those top guys aren't doing the arnold which was surprising too yeah Uh, i mean if you guys saw the list there's only 10 competitors each division competing at the arnold which is crazy it's quite the uh 180 from the olympia yeah yeah (laughs) There's going to be two call-outs, a first call-out and a second call-out, 10 girls. So we're not going to, you're not going to be going numb sitting in the seat watching as, uh, how many was there, 50-something? Yeah. 50-something girls pass through the stage, so 10. Pretty wild when you think about it because that's a a lot to bank on, 10 people in each division because someone's going to get sick. Like someone, like there's going to be someone that's going to have, right? And that, that many divisions. There's probably going to be, let's say, two, three people. So there might be two in one class where it's like only eight people show up because someone got sick or something. Or couldn't right? get in. The, the country, they got yeah, COVID something. recently, and they lost so much, you know, something. Yeah, that's it's going to be noticeable, though. I was like, you can't just like yeah. just step out and be like, yeah. Nope, <laughs> all eyes are on you. I mean, that this is the smallest classes since I think ever. I don't think I've ever seen only 10 per yeah. division. That's crazy. I that just, is insane. Yeah, I just so, hope, hope that too many people don't get sick or anything because you could shrink a division really fast. I mean, losing two people is 20%, you know, 30% with three people and one. It's only, and everyone got that, whoever got that, uh, the Olympia flu or whatever they're calling it. We, we're going to call it the Olympia cron strain. <laughs> okay. The Olympia cron. I think I had the Olympia cron. You had it. There's, everyone had the Olympia cron. Had the cron. Olympia cron. It's crazy, right? I don't, I don't know how I didn't get it. So all my friends got it. Like I would say 60% of my friends got sick at the olympia i don't know what happened oh. craziness you got it yeah can't believe cockroach got it you know what I'm <laughs> the, i know the cockroach got this it. the invincible <laughs> you're supposed to be you got lied to you're gonna check it through genetics uh, <sighs> we'll so, blame it on the the no sleep and stress there we go <laughs> <laughs> so going into okay so going back into the pre-prep all right so she did the Olympia, had a deload week where basically, you know, we pushed work out. <laughs> we, we pushed really hard going into the Olympia. Um, you know, whenever you're going to do one of these tier one shows, these big shows, I mean, um, most shows, actually, if you're doing nationals, you're doing 
whatever, you know, you're going to have your shows that are kind of practice shows. If you're trying to work your way up as a amateur, let's say you're doing like a regular NPC show and one is just for more stage time. And then you're two weeks out from nationals. So you're just trying to get qualified for the, for nationals for next year or something. And so you're not giving everything, you're not doing peaking all the way through, but then nationals, you're like, I'm going all out. I'm going to give it as hard as I can. I'm going to get as lean as I can and, and go all out. Well, maybe that's when you do your deload after that. Olympia is a perfect example of that. You go, you go all out, you know, whatever you got to do cardio wise, you're going to do it right with lifting wise, you're going to do it. So, um, body needs a little bit of a deload, basically let your nervous system recover, let your muscular system recover, let your body just kind of heal. And then, uh, we go into her, we we're still doing check-ins. We do, we see how our body's responding that we raise the calories up to maintenance calories or what we think of maintenance calories are now. And then based on her next check-in, we start adjusting accordingly. Cardio is done. We're not doing any cardio to change the settings down. And then now prep starts basically now or like right now yeah. at the second. What is the time right now? <laughs> it is 10, 12.07. It is 12.07, January 9th, 2023. <laughs> and prep has officially began for the Arnold Classic. <laughs> there Can I get starts. a round of applause in the comment <laughs> section? Please. Thank you. Thank prep, you. Prep is starting today. She did her check-in. We Cardio will start. The Cardio City starts up a little bit today, I'm assuming. Oh, I, I, too late for the Cardio. I, I don't do cardio in the afternoon. Well, playing? I mean, well, not today, oh, okay. but like today. <laughs> I was going to say. The, the programming today starts. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll start that up. And, um, yeah, so here we go. You know, we're doing here our we check-in go. after this, actually, actually the, the podcast. I see your check-ins in the system. So, Woo. yeah, people always wonder, like, how it does. Ashley checks in like everyone else. Yeah, I'm checks just a online. normal person. Check, I like the data, you know. No, I like it, too, because yeah. I can see, like, okay, this week I look like this. My measurements are this. Last week, this and this. And I really like to use it for reference, like, when I'm going into shows, if I'm, like, unsure of things, like, dang, I don't know if I'm going to be ready. What was my weight before the Olympia? Like, two weeks before Olympia, what was I weighing? Yeah. What did I look like? What were my measurements? And then I can use that to kind of compare, you know, yeah. and be like, oh, no, no, I'm on the right track. I'm, I'm where I need to be or whatever the case may be. But no, I like to see it too. It's good for to look back on and, and to plan your preps. And, you know, even looking back, like um, how many calories was I doing at that time or whatever? And if, if I was off that show, I wonder why we can go back and, you know, not do the same thing again. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's good. It's good. It's a good data collection for, you know, for especially for when you're having the arguments with yourself where you're like, am I too lean? And then, or am I too soft? And that's the, the I would say the argument is more often, am I too soft um, that people are going to have. So when you look back on it and you're like, no, I was actually exactly here two weeks before whatever show. So it's kind of nice to have that for that data reason. So if you guys aren't doing that, if, you're, if your coach isn't having you do that, do it yourself, you know, track your measurements on your waist, on your hips, whatever, maybe you have, maybe you store more body fat on your thighs, like just track the, the places that are stubborn for you too, with, with measurements, with pictures, and then look at how you look before the show. And then keep that as a reference going into your next shows, um, where you're at versus where you need to be. And it's, it's a good, it's just good for the mind to see. And it's also good to keep you in check. Cause sometimes you might be behind and you're like, no, I am softer right now. I need to, I need to step it up, you know? And then you could send those pictures to your coach. You're like, here are my pictures. Last time we were two weeks out where the judges said, I needed to be a little bit tighter, right? And then you're like, okay, yeah, you're right. We need to speed it up, you know, that type of thing. So um, good good as a reference point. So now going into the Arnold prep, her, her body is ready to go. It's basically we call primed. Um, she is, her calories are high. Her cardio is nothing. Once we turn that switch and reduce calories a little bit and raise cardio just a little bit, it should result in some a stimulus for some more results. So um, it should be pretty pretty smooth. We'll see what happens as time goes on. But that initial week especially is like a really good week because the body's used to all these calories and no cardio. And we just raise, we just invert those two just a little mm -hmm. bit. And then next thing you know, it starts going. And then hopefully we can keep those calories high and that cardio low until the body realizes, hey, I'm I'm in prep. <laughs> I need to stop losing fat. And then um, hopefully we can do that before it realizes it. And there you go. Yeah. So we'll keep checking in weekly and making adjustments accordingly. And mm -hmm. and that's basically the, the goal of that kind of pre-prep phase is to take a step back, let the body recover and um, get you set up for a good prep. So Yeah, totally. And it's also important to note that like when we are raising uh, cardio, um, especially like we don't just like start with, oh yeah, I'm going to do cardio every day intensely. No, we just slowly ease into it is the ideal. And the longer we can go without, you know, doing those two things, the longer we can go without 
raising the cardio significantly and lowering the calories significantly, the better, you know, it's kind of like you want to save that for when you need it. You don't want to exhaust your tools, I guess is how you, you yeah. say tools like tools in the box, you know? So cardio is a tool, you know, you, that's why I always say it's really not a good thing to become too good at cardio. Cause you're just making it hard on yourself. Cause you're going to have to go longer and more intensely every time you do cardio, if you get too good at it. So that's why we kind of back off when we don't need it and then save it for when we do. And then, um, you know, that way we can, uh, keep, keep going strong, you know? And, and the, the other thing I like about not having to do cardio, if I don't need to, is I can focus more on lifts because what happens is, you know, I'm a morning cardio person, right? It's like one of those things, like if I don't do it first thing in the morning, I lose motivation to do it. So I do it first thing in the morning. And what happens is, um, you know, if I'm putting my energy towards cardio, I'm not likely not going to have the same energy when I come back to lift. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I would much rather focus my energy and attention on lifting and building and then use cardio when I need it. Right. So, you know, I, I've done orange theories before to get ready for, um, shows as cardio. And it's like, yeah, I can, do orange theory and that's great that I'm doing cardio, but if I have to lift after this, am I going to have that same amount of energy and focus or did I just spend all my energy doing cardio because I'm trying to get lean? You know what I mean? So the longer we can hold off on doing a significant amount, the better. Yeah, I agree with that. And, um, you know, I think that the people who are listening on Instagram are kind of asking a couple of questions on okay. pre-prep. You guys, we want to ask Questions about the pre-prep. We're happy to kind of jump into them with this podcast. So um, one of the questions that we got was about, you know, maintenance calories. And uh, I think we can go into that real quick. It says, what can you do if your maintenance calories are not that high, but you have a good amount to lose before prep? So um, everyone, so everything's relative. She says she's only 109. So everything's relative. So if you're, if your calories just aren't that high, well, also, you, here's the thing we have to also look at. One, um, we have all these kind of arbitrary numbers that we come up with. They're just like random numbers that like you hear before. You're like, oh, for some reason, 1,200 calories is one of them. Like, why is that a number? Why is that? Like, that should be my minimum. Well, why is, should that be your minimum? Like, what, at what, what are you coming, where are you getting that from, right? Or people have that 2,000 calorie diet. It should be for everyone's diet. But Ashley's been eating, you know, on average, 15 to, you know, 15 to 1,700 for a long period of time. Why isn't that healthy for her? Because we know she's healthy. We, we check. So, Get those numbers like kind of out of your head because it's going to be relative to you. Maybe you're 109 pounds, so you're small already, so you're not going to burn that many calories to begin with because you're 109 pounds versus someone who you're looking at their diet who's 209 pounds. Well, of course, they're going to burn more calories than you. They weigh more than you. Maybe your job isn't as that active. Maybe you work at a computer and your average steps are below 2,000 a day. Maybe that's part of the reason, right? So whatever, it's it's not that your calories are low. They might be exactly normal for you in your situation being 109 pounds and working a desk job and not being that active and not doing any extracurriculars like hiking and things like that you might be totally normal maybe you're below normal by a little bit but it looks very low because of what you're used to hearing you hear anyone who's below 1200 calories is is hurting themselves so bad well if you're five foot tall and 95 pounds 1200 calories might be a lot of food for you it's all relative you know so um, just take that into consideration. Your maintenance calories might not be low. So I would start there before just jumping to a conclusion that your calories are low because it, it is very different per person, um, per situation. And there are different, you know, just higher calorie burners. Yeah. Um, you might just be completely average or maybe a little below average and you're, you're thinking it's something else. We had, um, for example, you know, when we bring Elizabeth and I had her resting metabolic rate ran and it was 20, was it 2200 Arthur or 2000 and some change? It was 2,200, right? 2,200. Yeah, so that's like crazy high metabolic rate. So um, even my metabolic rate, and I'm over her weight by like 70 pounds, was um, 1,700 calories. So like- I want to do it. I haven't done it in a long time. We just got to recalibrate it. We can do it after this. Or we'll do you have to, have to do be on an empty stomach or anything? Before you take in any caffeine. Oh, pff, yeah. So that's, I don't know when we're going to do that for you. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so so um so yeah that's that's uh you know we could do that in our uh, our 3d scanner i spent a few hours with it on on uh that day uh last day you're here wednesday and they're gonna have to fix it again today because it's so it should be fixed after today mm. but yeah we're getting all of our everything set up ready for the season again everything's recalibrated so um anyway that's the that was a question if you guys have any more welcome to answer them um 
Okay, so oh, well, this is a really good question about like pre-prep too. Um, and this is kind of going into what you're talking about with like the cardio being a high setting already. So you could jump into this one. But it says if, uh, if one does 10 10K steps a day average, could that affect cardio efficiency and um, cardio like total duration or prep? I think of it as two separate things. I don't think steps count quite as cardio. I mean, I guess you can, what is it, race walking? <laughs> but I wouldn't consider it. It's a totally different thing. It's more, I guess, into the neat category, I would say, which is not cardio. It's uh, just staying active, which I think is great. And actually, I would suggest that to, to people that like, you know, are addicted to cardio. They want to do it first thing. Um, but, you know, you want to like, hey, chill in the cardio get some more steps in, even if it's just walking on the treadmill, like at a normal pace, not like with the incline up, not getting out of breath, but I consider it two different things. What about you? Yeah. It's an intensity, intensity based thing, yeah. you know? So, um, what I will say is that in, in terms of the question, so if you're getting ready for a show, it's highly unlikely that someone's going to get ready for a show just doing like steps. Like I've never had anyone like a top tier person or a, a pro card like someone who got a pro card just doing steps, um, unless they were extremely genetically blessed. Like I have, like, uh, for example, Louisa, she never had to do cardio, but she was like, she never gains body fat. Like it's really hard for her to gain body fat, even when we're high in calories. So for her, it's always diet, right? So someone like that, yeah. But there's very, I mean, we're talking micro fractions of 1% of people who can do it. But I will say when I run into people who have high step counts, like 10,000, usually it's not an issue. 8,000 is usually not an issue. But I have a couple people who are getting in 20 plus thousand steps a day. Um, and those people end up doing higher total cardio to create any stimulus. That's the only thing. Because, you know, if you're adding, let's say you're adding 2,000 steps in with your cardio, but you're already doing 20,000 steps. Yeah, it's not that great of a stimulus for someone who's already used to moving that much. So, yeah, it, the more steps you do on average, so the more active you are on average, it does, at least from my minimal data pool, does look like you're going to end up doing more cardio for the show in that scenario. That seems to be a very common, a very common thing. So, um, so yeah, I would, I would say, yeah, it does have some, some effect on it, at least in my data pool from my experience. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's a good, um, I kind of like an off season. I don't even want to say cardio, but a great way to get moving, especially like in the winter time, you know, um, where you don't want to do cardio, but you know, you don't want to get fluffy. You want to keep moving, just, you know, just get some steps in. You know, and yeah. the intensity isn't quite as in like draining either. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's for like when people are doing like a deload and they're out of the gym, I'll usually give them like steps for that week just so they can be out of the gym instead of yeah. doing cardio. That's you just thing. don't want to be sitting there the whole time. You know? Yeah. Or if, or if someone is working, let's say someone is doing um, a, doing prep. Um, you know, I will have those weird scenarios where someone might be like a nurse and then on their nursing days, they'll get like 25,000 steps. I'll say, okay, on that day, don't do your cardio, but on the other days, you'll end up doing more. Mm -hmm. So that kind of thing. So it balances out a little bit with like total steps. That's if it's, if it's not working. So there's like scenarios where those things come in, but it's not really like a, a standard, a standard thing. I would say it's not a problem until you get to like the 20,000 plus step thing where it becomes an issue. So, but yeah, um, I, I, I think the most, the most steps I've ever taken was 32,000 and I got lost on a trail. <laughs> That's oh. a, I remember how much I had to do when I did that and I was like, I looked at my steps and I was like, dang, that's, that's crazy. And then it's funny because I remember how lost I was and how, what it took to get off of that trail. That's scary. Dude, it was, it was scary. It was really scary. It was like, I just moved to Colorado and I was like, oh, I'm going to be part of the Colorado lifestyle. I'm going to go on these trails and be a mountain boy, get to the top of this hill with my cardboard sign and say 5,000 feet. <laughs> such a, such a, like, I fell right into it, right? Which I, I had a year of that, right? I was, I, I didn't go as far as buying a Subaru, but I went, I, I, <laughs> but I did, but I did go there. <laughs> I did go there. So, um, no, I went, I, so I went on this, I was like by myself and I just moved to Denver and I like went on this trail and I'm from California, you know, the concrete jungle. So well, I took this trail, but then I realized after I got lost, um, so I, t I told someone what I, what I did. And he's like, oh no, you took an animal trail off of the main trail is what it is. And I didn't know that animals make trails. Mm -hmm. I was like, animals make trails? <laughs> I was like, how, how are they making trails? I guess if they like going on past the water or something, mm -hmm. it just eventually creates a trail. I didn't know that. So I guess they have like their own trails. Did you know this? Yeah. So apparently that's a thing in the wild. These guys are like, 
creating trails for each other and map roadmaps in the wild. I don't know. And then I realized there are smaller, they're like smaller, like little paths that like animals just, I guess, naturally create by going to water or whatever source. And so, yeah, so that was really funny. It's a funny story because I was, I was lost. The sun was going down and I was like, dude, I need to figure this out. And so I ended up like going to the tallest mountain, like little hill mountain that there was there. Like there was no trail. And I just cut through all the brush and got to the top of it so I can like see where civilization was. And, and I just ran in that direction. I jogged in that direction towards civilization until I found found some people that I just followed people. <laughs> I was too embarrassed to ask them if they're about to finish or about to start. So uh -huh. I was just like, I'm just gonna follow them. <laughs> just gonna get off this trail. I made it. I'm here. Yes, so thank gosh. that's a funny story though, right? Yeah. But yeah, it was the most steps. So anyway, now that I now that I see when I see someone get that many steps, I think about wow, they broke the 30 threshold. And that's just their normal life. That was like my worst day of stepping in my life. And that's their average. I need to get I need to get moving. Mm. <laughs> that's like a Tuesday afternoon for them. <laughs> <laughs> How come I'm so inefficient with my movement? It's so crazy. I gotta start start doing some more movement. Let's go shopping. Let's do something. Let's walk. You should walk. get one of those treadmills with the desk. You know? Oh, that's a lot of work. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a lot of work. <laughs> Let's forget that whole idea. Let's get one of those under the desk under the peddlers. Desk peddlers. <laughs> <laughs> it's great for the hip flexors. Oh. So, all right. There's my other story about my embarrassing moments. Um, anyway. Uh, what else we got going into this this Arnold? Here? I think um, with the pre-prep as well, we need to address like how to get your mindset right and to set up your routine and schedule. So, you know, depending on where, how, how far off of off-season you've been, you are used to eating a certain way and you're used to doing this and that and just realize, hey, schedule and diet's going to change, obviously, as you start to get into prep. So you need to get your mind right you need to get prepared like go grocery shopping ahead of time because you know it's like once you start you don't want to use the excuse oh well I can't get to the grocery store till Thursday so you know whatever I'll start Thursday you know so just be prepared and just realize that you're gonna have to adopt a routine and even if that means like throwing in a couple like really clean prep meals in your in your um regular uh, menu uh, just to get the used to the taste of prep food, go for it. Because it is, you know, I feel like a lot of people have that whenever they're adjusting from off-season to prep, their taste buds haven't adjusted and they're like not looking forward to the food. They don't like it. It doesn't taste good. I think it's it's good to kind of ease into it and, and show your taste buds what's up. Like, hey, you're going to be having this, so you better like it. <laughs> well, and, and then also, let's say you're – Let's say you're newer to this. You're still getting in that through that initial curve of wanting to be, you know, a competitor long term, and you haven't worked your taste bud, your taste bud, uh, taste buds up to Ashley's taste bud level, <laughs> taste bud strength. Are we gonna call it taste bud strength? Yeah. <laughs> Flexi text. I just, I imagine just like tongues, like just flexing. I don't know right? if they're strong though, because these taste buds can't handle seafood. So. Oh yeah, you do. Or or turkey or pork. You have, you know what you have, Ashley? You have snobby taste buds. They are snobby, <laughs> but. At the same time, no, because I eat out of containers and that's true. I feel like I'm if just you're like ninety nine cent mustard. If your taste buds were uh, drinking tea, they'd have their pinky up. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a fancy eater. I am not. You know something. You, are, you know you this aren't about me. A fancy eater. I, if I were to go out to eat and I didn't have to pay, I would much rather go to a chilled out restaurant where I can lick the plate. Then be all fancy and dress up and feel weird if I like put my my elbow on the table like yeah what you know what is that I'm, I, I'm the same way I, give me the give me the like the low key food where and I want to lick the plate yeah you know what I mean I'm the same way I'm more about like fun and good yeah. food than the uh, than the like I feel like it, like it's like you have to look up give off an appearance yeah like you know? you're yeah. too uptight and like you don't know what these menu items are and they're and you feel weird asking for substitutions like can I get chicken instead of like <laughs> tartare or whatever the heck that is like you know what I mean yeah like I've only like, been to one where it was like that, like a French restaurant where I didn't know anything was on the menu. It was a, I was an annoyance and I didn't eat the food I wanted to eat because I like was like embarrassed to ask the whole thing. Like Aww. I was like, yeah. So I ended up, yeah. So after that, I'm like, no, I'm cool with like Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Yeah. Red Robin's my jam. Thank so um, no, but going into like, if you're getting like your taste buds ready, right. And you're struggling with it, you know, if you need to ease into it, like Ashley's saying, I think that's something that you need to discuss with your coach because no matter what, the best diet is one you're going to stick to. That's always the answer. So 
if you're struggling, 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 and there's just no way you're going to be successful and you're like forcing yourself on this diet, like just talk to your coach and maybe you could do a free meal. Maybe your coach will lower the total calories throughout the day, throughout the week, but then give you all those calories in one meal um, once a week or twice a week, however it works out for you. And then you have, you know, you have your date night with whoever, and then you have your, your girl's night, whatever, if you have it. And um, you don't feel like you're completely like sacrificing so much of your regular life, you know? So that's totally understandable um, if you need that. And I think that it's, that's something that, you know, we should, you know, that's something we shouldn't like bash and say, oh, oh yeah, yeah, you're weak for it or anything like that. Cause you're not. Uh, I think that's something that a lot of people do just to have that, just to have that um, as, as balanced as they can be in life, you know? Yeah. yeah. And you can even use me as an example. Like I'll say, Adam, I will not eat seafood. Do not put that on my menu. Yeah, I won't, you know, if you like, let's say I never spoke up and I was trying to tough it out and uh, this whole time you were putting like seafood on my menu and I was trying to eat it. You know, I probably wouldn't even, I, I probably would be fluffy right now. You know what yeah. I mean? Cause it's like, I wouldn't enjoy it. I, I would probably just mix my own substitution or just, you know, just be miserable. And, you know, I think like, the one thing we try to promote is prep doesn't have to be miserable. Yeah. You can have fun during prep, believe it or not. I know you get, you do have to work hard for sure, but it can be fun. It doesn't have to be miserable. You don't have to do all these crazy things like freaking tilapia and asparagus every meal and boiling your chicken with no seasoning. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. That's so, that's Gross. so hardcore. Yeah. So old too. Like we did that in like the nineties, you know, like where yeah. it was like boiled chicken because we didn't know anything, you know? Yeah. And so that, yeah, that yeah. was, I mean, it was like prep back then was like going to war, you know, you weren't even like, it wasn't even prep. It was like, it was like, I need to live in a different world. Like it wasn't even, you know, it was just so different. You couldn't eat anywhere. You couldn't eat out. You had to, you had to eat from Tupperware. Like it was boiled chicken, Mrs. Dash, and asparagus and or and then most of the time it was fish like eight weeks out it's just like yeah. yeah oh my gosh we, didn't, we just didn't know any better you know yeah but brown rice only like for some reason only brown rice the only acceptable carb <laughs> no <laughs> was, seasonings no seasonings yeah, um but yeah that just goes to show you like i guess i'm i'm you can call me weak then for saying i won't eat this fish that you give me you know yeah. so I've had that conversation with you and I'm like, yeah, no seafood. Don't like Turkey. I can't do eggs unless they're most like I legit. That's the only way I can eat eggs. And I'm, that's not even just a plug. I, it's true. That's yeah. the only way I can eat. She eggs. like sweet food, sweet. I like sweets. Yes. Yeah. So like, that's just an example. And I will, I will always refuse to drink my carbs. Yeah. She's, <laughs> that was our I fight refuse. last year. So like, let's just, <laughs> So I'll never forget that moment. Were you in here for that? You're, she like sat back in the chair, like, <laughs> like yeah, laid herself at the back of the chair. She's like, let's just not even do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the one crank. And then oh. she's like five minutes. She's like, I'm sorry. I was cranky. She's like, yeah. I won't. But, I'll eat my carbs. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, for real though. So we all have our things that we're like, ah, I'm not going to follow the menu unless I, I'm not eating this or I have to have that. You'll have it, you yeah. know? So, again, going back to what you said, don't feel like you're a failure for asking adjustments. We want to, we both want to make this to work yeah. the best way we can. So if you're like, oh, no, I, you know, I I really enjoy this and it makes me happy. It's what I look forward to the most in my week. This one item that I have once a week with my husband or whatever, you know, keep it in there as long as we can. You know, yeah. we make it work. Don't Don't feel like you're asking too much for adjustments. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's a good point to bring up. And I, I think the other point that you brought up that was really good is that let's say you didn't say that to me and you didn't say, you know, anything about the fish and you're trying to tough it out. There's no way you would have done as many shows. Right. There's, I probably wouldn't be competing right now. <laughs> honestly, that's what happens. That's yeah. what happens. You know, when these girls get on these grind preps and that's what I, that's what I hate about the whole coaching system, the way we have it set up where, you know, someone does a show and then their coach did a certain thing with them where they did like, you know, two hours of cardio and 800 calories and that's all they know. And then they start coaching people. So then they give that to their clients. And then that client has starts coaching people. They give that to their clients. And the only thing these people know in 90% of the market is, you know, kill them with cardio and, and feed them, you know, air, you know, that's like, that's the, that's the thing. Right. And so we're like, okay, you guys do that. You get in shape. There's a lot of ways to get in shape. I'm not going to knock that it gets people in shape. It gets people in shape doing it that way. You know, it might not be the most effective way. It might not be the most efficient way. Um, you know, not the best way to keep muscle probably, but it will get you lean, right? It will do that eventually. So the problem that comes with it is that now that 
someone went from loving the gym, they were already fit, they only needed to lose, you know, 10, 15 pounds to get in stage shape, but they went through this extreme. They did it, they hated it, they grinded it out, they have that badge of honor that they grinded it out, right? They talk about it. Now, all that people see is that that person's grinding it out because they're talking about it, the badge of honor. Oh, I grinded two hours of cardio. So everyone sees how miserable it is and no one wants to do it based off that example. And then the person who did it, they then don't compete again because it's too hard. It's too much to ask. It's too much on the body, right? But I'm like, dude, if you would just compete and do it in a realistic way where you kind of didn't, you know, didn't kill yourself in prep, one, you would enjoy it and probably do more shows. And two, you probably wouldn't be blowing up so much in the off season because you wouldn't be so, you wouldn't feel so deprived that you'd have to eat everything because you felt so deprived, right? Everyone's like, how does Ashley stay so lean or whatever? I'm like, well, one, she's got a strong mindset. We know that. But two, we're not starving her so bad where she her body's just like, give me food. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It. Like, I like my prep food. Yeah. The food that is on the menu, I chose for it to be. I like it, you yeah. know? And it's a lot of the stuff I would eat in the off-season, too. Like, if cal- honestly, if calories didn't even matter, I'd probably eat something similar. Yeah. You know? Honestly. Um, but... Yeah, I think, like, not only does it make it miserable for those athletes that, like, oh, I can never do that again, and that's the the one-and-done competitors, right, because they grinded the prep so hard, they're like, I can't do this again, right? Um, But also, it gives the illusion to the people that aren't doing that, like, oh, wow, that's what I should be doing. Oh, my gosh, I need to do that. I'm, You know what I mean? Like, they feel like they're not working hard enough. And it's not about necessarily working the hardest, but the smartest, which is why when somebody says, you're the hardest worker I know, I'm like, well, it depends. You know how you look at it. Maybe over a span of 10 years, maybe. I don't know. Um, But as far as, like, in the moment, I guarantee you for the Arnold coming up, there's probably a girl out there doing – two hours of cardio and 800 calories. And at that point I would say, yeah, she's, she's definitely working harder. Now it's not smarter. No, for sure. Not. It doesn't necessarily translate like that. Yeah. So I would agree with that. You know, that's a fair analogy. Yeah. So that's why I'm always like, well, you know, that's how you look at it. It's, I, you know, some people like to, to grind like that. And then, you know, I, I would say most don't, but there is that small portion that likes to feel that that hunger and stuff, but sure as heck not me. It's not everyone else either. And I do think that those are the people also that like they like it in the moment, but at the end of prep, they're so like starved and just mentally like exhausted from eating the same foods over and over that they're just like done in the blow up. Yeah. So even though you might like it in the moment when you're done and get exposed to real food you might go crazy so something yeah to keep in mind yeah and there's also and the other thing that goes into that too is like hormonally things will happen the lower you go the more cardio you do you know you're crashing your testosterone your thyroid levels are lower at the end there's a lot of other things that go into that causing that post-show rebound too but when you compile all of them together you really kind of set yourself up for a bad scenario on a rebound so yeah we try to do it as you know as high as calorie and as low as cardio as possible some people aren't going to live like that. Like some people just not going to work for with, you know, today's level of conditioning that we need. So it's just, it's different per person, but, um, I'm glad that that question comes like it's stemmed off on some new, yeah. on some new stuff, but yeah, it's going to be the, I think the keys to take away is, is that, you know, think about your setup after the show. Um, think about, you know, your mindset going into the show. Do you need to have those refeeds? Do you need to have that freedom to, to do this for a long period of time? Uh, and I think you can ask yourself like, is this so hard that you don't want to do it again while you're in prep? then maybe you should kind of move things around a little bit so it's not such a grind, you know, and just talk to your coach about it. Because I think that that's an important thing that we don't we don't look at enough. You yeah. Know, we, we don't talk about, okay, can you do this forever type of thing? Or is it so crazy that this is like a one and done thing for you now? Right. Another option too would just be like a longer, less intense prep, you know, um, with the NPC. It's different with the IFBB because like, how can I not do the Arnold? How can I not do Olympia? Duh. Of course I'm going to. But for the NBC, you know, you've got many options and many shows. And, you know, if you're trying to make this prep work in 12 weeks and you're feeling miserable, like, just so you know, there'll be another show if you want to push it back a month and just have a more gradual weight loss. You can do it that way. Like, you know, um, but there's no need to, like, push it so hardcore just to get ready for this one local show when there's another local show the following month and you could be less miserable. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's important, really important to talk about too, because I'll have some once in a while and I usually will catch it now, but sometimes it still happens. Um, I'll talk to someone about, you know, doing a show or maybe they'll enroll for a, 
16 week prep or a, a six month prep thinking they're going to do whatever show. Um, and then when you, when you, when you get down to it, when you're like 12 weeks out, they're like, yeah, will I be ready for whatever show? Right. And I'm like, well, when you started prep, you needed to lose, you know, 40 pounds, 50 pounds. Um, unlikely we're going to get there in the next 12 weeks. And then they're like, well, I already signed up and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Cause I already signed up. And I'm like, it's like a, it's like a 120 bucks, you know, <laughs> like, like you could just do a later show. You're not complete. Like you could just, you know, it's a lot healthier for you to just to lose 120 bucks, do it a different show, uh, push it back to where it's a more realistic time frame. but you do run into that sometimes. So what I will say to competitors, if you're first time, you're just getting used to competing, you're just starting competing. Like don't register until you know you're in shape for the show. Wait till yeah. two weeks out. There's no difference of cost effectiveness of if you do it closer to the show or later the show. Just think about that because that is something that comes up on the NPC, like on an, on like an amateur girl. They'll sign up for the show before they even sign up for prep. And then you're like, hey, like there's no way we're going to get here. But then they do whatever they have to to get there. And then they never look as good as they could have looked. And, and it was because of, you know, the entry yeah. fee, you know, so it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so. like it's, yeah if you've never prepped before, allow yourself a time cushion too, like – you know, like, yeah, you could be ready for this show if every week is perfect, but realize not every week will be perfect. You might get sick. You might hurt your foot. You might not be able to go to the gym because you're snowed in. Whatever, life. And sometimes the body just doesn't want to cooperate every single week like that. So allow yourself a time cushion that's like, hey, if you're ready ahead of time, perfect. That means you can eat more coming into the show. But allow, allow you know, that, that little gap that's like, you know what, uh, this is my extra time in case I need to push a little harder this yeah. last month. So Yeah, and I think um, with that, will that be our kind of our Arnold talks? So. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm going to do an Arnold uh, video this week, guys, if you're, any of you are watching on YouTube. I'm going to do an Arnold uh, kind of going who's on the show list and whatnot, kind of, uh, I don't know if it'll be full predictions or whatnot, but we'll do it this week. And, uh, and yeah, that's basically it. So, Thank you guys so much for listening. Cheer on Ashley if you're going to the Arnold. If you're going to the Arnold, say hi. Say yeah. hi. We don't. And are you going to the Arnold? Yeah, of course I'm going to Arnold. Definitely. Oh, I love the Arnold. like that wasn't as obvious. <laughs> Arnold, I'm always going to be at the Arnold. Guaranteed. Arnold. That I was. Love the a, I mean, it's it's a maybe you know, not Arnold UK, but Arnold's. Arnold's. I mean, okay. <laughs> well, Adam and I will be there. We don't bite. Say hi. Yes, I'll definitely be there. So uh, we'll see you guys there, and thank you so much. Bye. Bye.